My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. Oh, boy, put it in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Let's talk risk. Everybody wants to talk risk, especially after a day where the market rebounded. Dow gaining 229 points. That's a big jumping. Wow, 1.61%. NASDAQ pole 2.55%. Nice change from last week. But if you control your risk, the reward does take care of itself. Last week, Wall Street got desperate for risky gains. And to do that, you need juice, meaning margin. There were too many people borrowing money to trade. And playing with borrowed money can wreck your portfolio the same way racking up lots of credit card debt can wreck your life, whether you're a big hedge fund manager or whether you're a regular investor. Now, I could talk a blue streak about Robin. Congrats, by the way, on that capital raise or Reddit. Congrats on the excitement or a GameStop. Congrats on the big win. Just remember that the gains don't count for anyone until you take some profits. But right now, I'm hearing lots of people who should know better fret about how these red-hot uh, theme stocks, I think uh, GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, Virgin Galactic, wow, represent some kind of new risk to the market. The action in the stocks is, has some degree come unglued from the fundamentals, but that happens a lot. It's really messing with Wall Street's plumbing, causing problems for the brokers and the clearinghouse is not necessarily for you if you don't have margin. Whenever you deal with risk, though, you have to ask, what kind of risk? Is it systemic risk? Well, that's why we're worried that the center will not hold and the entire market could collapse. Or is it literally any other kind of risk that we can cope with if we stay calm? And, you know, that's how I feel. When it comes to GameStop, I don't see any scary systemic risk at all. I see garden variety regulatory risk. This short-selling frenzy never represented more than $100 billion worth of stocks. There are real questions that need to be answered. How did the regulators let money managers short 148% of the stocks float mathematically? That's not possible. How could management remain silent? Why didn't Robinhood have a better handle on helping its clients? Come on, guys. And that's really about it, though. If you were off margin, you're doing just fine right now. But I recognize that people are jittery even after a good day like today. So, uh, and a lot of people, by the way, do it with options. It's not just margin, but you know what I'm talking about. I say we revisit the big themes we like to fall back on in times of turmoil, making some adjustments to account for new facts on the ground from this incredible reporting period. And by the way, it's been incredible and positive. First, I got a new theme going into this earnings season. I didn't know this. We had no idea, no idea at all about the severity of the semiconductor shortage. Between gaming, remote work, telemedicine, autonomous driving, there just aren't enough chips to go around. Which brings me to the new theme, and that's the chip shortage. Now, we just got results from Lamb Research. Sucks down a lot. It's the best-in-show semiconductor capital equipment maker. You buy their machines when you want to manufacture more chips. Lamb was great, as was Applied Materials, AMAT, as was Taiwan Semi Farm, but really great. I'd say farm because it's in Taiwan. I do worry about China. Now, I think all of those work, especially if you can get them on a market-wide pullback. Lamb's already down. Second theme, the endless rise of e-commerce. Oh, it's unrelenting, and it's a lot more than the stay-at-home economy. There's a long list of winners here. Amazon, did you see a stock today? Walmart, wow, buying that from the Travel Trust, it's way too low. Target, thanks to Shipped, uh, which is an amazing service. Shopify, wow, Microsoft, amazing quarter. Adobe, Salesforce, ServiceNow, oh, what a blowout. Facebook, excellent number. Alphabet comes this week, probably best in show. And, of course, Etsy, which is down the block. I'm in Brooklyn, considered a real good menu. Third. The reopening trade. If we can hit 50% vaccination by May, then we need to own something to be able to be ready, right? 
for my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. We like very specific two names, Disney and Boeing. Disney's stock has come down since that amazing quarter. Boeing didn't go down despite a hideous quarter. That reads pretty positive, right? Hey, by the way, Honeywell had a tremendous quarter last Friday. No one paid any attention because, well, it needs aerospace. Does it really? Can you imagine how well that does once we reopen? Fourth, uh, you may think it's over like I think you can't talk about enough digitization. This is heavily linked to e-commerce, which is why I feel bold enough to recommend, oh boy, here we go, Frank Slootman's baby. Yeah, I am pushing the buy button. Bye, bye, bye. Snowflake. Along with a couple of others I mentioned earlier, Salesforce and Adobe. So uh, if they're so good, i got to repeat them. What am I going to do? Number five is cybersecurity, a corollary to the wave of digitization because of the bad guys. Menu, CrowdStrike, Palo Alto Networks, Zscaler, and of course, Okta. Theme six is 5G, where the next generation wireless build-out is hitting us in stride. Holy cow, the winner and new champion from last week, overlooked by, because of GameStop, Skyworks Solutions, not overlooked uh, this morning, which is why I said it. Um, Apple had an amazing 5G quarter, not, uh, not unexpected. Qualcomm, Corvo, Crown Castle. See, that's finally going up, that bow wow. I mean, I can't believe that thing was just starting to really crush me. But now it's all about... Uh, Marvell Tech, that's been our winner for a long time. T-Mobile, yes, that's the phone company you own. Broadcom, symbol AVGO. Insego and NXP Semi, wow. Number seven is stimulus. People always get way too carried away about betting on a stimulus bill. I think that's usually foolish. I like to keep it simple. Rocks, like Vulcan Materials and Martin Marietta. Hey, I gotta tell you, Caterpillar delivered a pretty darn good quarter last week, and I'm proud of that. Eight is China. Now, people have been playing this with commodities. Uh-uh. The Baltic Freight Index, which measures commodities, is breaking down. You need to swap into some new China place. Apple had an amazing China quarter. Hey, congratulations to Kevin Johnson on his fantastic comeback for Starbucks in China. Nike's been terrific the whole way. Stock's down big. Doesn't make sense to me. Theme nine, self-directed stock picking. <laughs> well, after last week, it's clear that people want individual stocks. So why not buy Morgan Stanley, which just acquired E-Trade, and it's run by the risk-averse James Gorman. I'm risk-averse. He's risk-averse. I like risk-averse because I don't like you to lose money. I like you to make money. Number 10, financial technology. Like these days, younger people just don't like banks. And what can you do? I mean, Bank of America's got a great app. It's doing well, but they like PayPal. They like Square. They like the newly public affirm. They like Intuit. They like IPOE, which is SoFi. Hey, I, I, I don't pick in these. I, I, I just tell. Theme 11 is healthcare. We have Thermo Fisher on the show tonight. What a quarter. They're the big arms dealer to drug and biotech companies, along with Dan Her. Eli Lilly's doing some breakthrough work on Alzheimer's. And don't forget Teladoc for remote medicine. I also like Abbott Labs, but it had a very big move. Twelfth is electric vehicles. Like it or not, this is the future. All right, so we have to get involved with this back, right? Something that we... How about GM? GM has now gotten ahead of the industry with its promise to phase out fossil fuels by 2035. And, it, and if it goes down, you know what I can say? Buy more GM! It's such an easier thing rather than say, sorry. For speculation, CIIG uh, merger and Northern Genesis acquisition, they're attractive in commercial vehicles. MB Materials is a rare earth mi- mineral play that's essential for the electric vehicles. Now, if I were like a busy Redditor guy, I'd be saying, let me see, what is that, what is that? MP? All right. Um, uh, TPG uh, Pace Beneficial Finance is about to merge with EV Box. You know, we like that. It's my favorite charging play. On a similar note, if you like technology for autonomous driving, I think you want to think Luminar. Now, just because the Reddit people, I don't want them on their back. I, you're Einstein. 13, remote work. I know people are turning against the story as more people get vaccinated. William Sonoma got hit with a downgrade today. I think the bears are too early. By the way, I still like Zoom. 
I still like Wafer. I like Logitech. Amazon. Hey, why don't you ring up Bring Central? Can you believe that horse? 14 is housing. Now, we're still seeing an exodus of people moving away from cities. And as long as interest rates stay low, then I'm telling you, you can still buy Lenar and Pulte and DR Holden. And, you know, I like Toll so much. And yes, retailers. RH has been putting the numbers up. Home Depot, Lowe's. Someone downgraded that. Don't forget the ASAC, which I just used for my deck and Trex. Finally, theme 15, not to bore you, I'm trying to give you the full menu of clean energy, plug powers, hydrogen fuel cells remain far away the best. But the technology is moving in the right direction. It's a little expensive. For hydrogen, there's less clean and more realistic. I like Lindy. Hey, don't forget Generac. Remember we had that one? I really kind of liked it. The others, I, I can't push them more. Why? Because they have to come in. Now, I wish I could say that GameStop is a new theme, but it, that's just the challenge company with a stock that got caught in a really exciting short squeeze. I wish I could call AMC a reopening trade, but that depends on how much stock they can get rid of into the people who keep buying it. I wish I could say silver is a big buy, but you need a better economy because it's so levered to economy, not to precious metals. Hey, listen, knock yourself out. Go buy Pan American Silver. I've vetted it like this since the 1990s. Uh, I'm not looking for red hot, so. I want theme stocks that we can buy into weakness because if the market sells off again because of regulatory risk, I need you to be ready. The bottom line. With these 15 themes, pick and choose, I'm confident you can safely buy more the next time the market gets hammered, and that's what matters. You now have your menu. There are a lot to choose from. So put some on your shopping list. And if we're down tomorrow, all I can say is, bye, bye, bye. Why don't we take some calls? I say we go to Bill in Illinois. Bill. Hi, Jim. Hey, uh, Jim, part of my diversified playbook is a traditional IRA containing a lumber product play with Weyerhaeuser. And I've been listening to the network, CNBC, and your show. And for about a couple of weeks now, there have been comments and discussions over lumber, but it's been from a manufactured retail building materials perspective, you know, the Lowe's, Home Depot's, et cetera. Right. And I'd like right. to hear from you, your opinion on the alpha or primary side of the industry from an investment perspective. Uh, and which which stock would that be? Warehouser. Oh boy, you know Warehouser's okay. It doesn't have that big yield that I like. Um, I, I look, I'm going to have to send you back to Home Depot. I know. I, I used to love these guys. The guy who ran it was a guy I knew for a very long time. But I, I'm going to be on. I got. I have no choice. It's just not as good as Home Depot. It's not value added enough. But thank you so much for that question, Bill. Now remember. If you control your risk, get off of margin. The reward takes care of itself. Get off of margin. I'm confident you can buy into the teams I just mentioned the next time the market goes down, which probably isn't that far from now. One man tonight, I'm sitting down with Thermo Fisher CEO Mark Casper, talking about the company's earnings and its incredible role it's playing in the global response to the pandemic. Then it's the first day on the job for Dick's Sporting Goods CEO Lauren Hobart. So special. I'm talking with the incoming and outgoing CEOs and the leadership change. You know we've liked that stock. And going up. I'm talking with the CEO of Otis to find out how the company's positioning itself during the pandemic and a turn in China. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
this morning, we got still one more incredible quarter from Thermo Fisher, the world's leading maker of life sciences instruments and lab equipment. Yet the stock rallied just five bucks, a little over 1%. Still down slightly versus where it was trading not that long ago after we saw its last set of terrific results in November. Opportunity? I think it's nuts. This stock had a rough time in November, December. It's the reopening place, sort of. I wish we reopened, right? Because Thermo Fisher's making a fortune from all the efforts to fight COVID. They, well, they deserve it. They've got a top-notch diagnostics equipment business, and they also supply drug companies with the material and, and equipment they need to develop the drugs and vaccines that are working. But in the new year, the stock came alive again. And after today's numbers, well, it's just going to start running again. This morning, Thermo Fisher reported a 51% organic growth rate, a breathtaking number. Such a huge company, driven by substantially better than expected sales, monster earnings beat, but also incredible R&D for the future. Even better, management gave you a very bullish forecast for 2021, a three-pillar strategy that I think is going to last for the ages. Stock's now within spitting distance of its old highs, and I think it should be making new ones. Do not take it from me. Let's check in with True North. Let's check in with Mark Casper. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Thermo Fisher Scientific to get a better read on the quarter and where his company's headed. Boy, Mr. Casper, it's been too long. Welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thanks for having me again, and I hope uh, you have a speedy recovery. It's great to see you back. Oh, thank you, Mark. We're alluding to some back surgery I had that uh, has kept me at home, but so did the snow. Now, Mark, I've always regarded you as being the most honest arbiter of all things involving COVID, but that's not fair. I don't mean to pigeonhole COVID. There's so many things you do. But you can give me a top-down view. Are we winning or losing in this battle in order to be able to reopen our country and the world? I think we're starting to really turn the corner, Jim. Um, the fact that in record time we have vaccines, uh, that COVID testing is being used to not only diagnose the symptomatic patients, but also helping you know, universities get back in uh, students in the classroom and certain aspects of work uh, using testing to support it. Uh, we still have some tough days ahead, but I feel like uh, things are um, on the uh, on the mend. Oh, that's good, because I know that you would say otherwise if you felt that we're not there. I know you would do it. Mark, one of the things that you uh, aren't getting enough credit for. People say, oh, you know what? They had this great tailwind uh, with COVID. But the fact is you put this company in place to handle vaccines and to handle research, and it just happened to be that PCR was, which your gold standard. It happens to be that you even have, say, mRNA technology. But these are things, Mark, that, that required you to look in the future before we even knew about COVID. How did you know that these were going to be so important to mankind? You know, we really are uh, the company that is the world leader in serving science. And the 2020 results um, really showed that we built the company to help the world respond to the, the darkest of times. And whether it was our uh, ins large install base and capabilities of PCR for molecular diagnostic testing, and the fact that we were able to develop the test rapidly and scale it up at an unprecedented level to actually support hundreds of millions of tests around the world, or the fact that we had the ingredients used for mRNA vaccines or the other vaccines uh, that you read so much about, those are all part of the strategy that we put together over the last number of years to be able to enable our customers to make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer, Jim. Well, Mark, one of there was a, a crucial moment in the conference call. I think there are a lot of people who are thinking, well, what happens when, the, when uh, the pandemic winds its way down? And you made a very good point, which you said, look, let's hope it winds its way down. But there are obviously going to be many, many issues in the future that Thermo Fisher, it, you can't necessarily predict the same growth you had before, obviously, because it's stellar. But what really matters is the infrastructure. You have become the premier 
medical equipment company in the world, which means to me that you are working on things that we've never thought of that, thank heavens, I hope we never see. And that to look at your company as a COVID company is looking at a snapshot that just isn't fair, Mark. Yeah, so, so from my perspective, you know, it's our job to enable our customer success. And we were there for COVID and we'll be there for the next challenges as well because science is get incredibly well-funded around the world. It enables so many good things and we'll play a role supporting it. When I think about the COVID role we play, you know, I believe that vaccines and therapies are gonna be needed well into the future because the pandemic is so widespread around the world. It's not as if it's going to entirely disappear um, very rapidly. There's going to be some aspect of it. And at the same point, we built this huge molecular diagnostics business, and there's going to be the need for new respiratory panels to tell a doctor if somebody's presenting with a respiratory infection. Is it COVID? Is it the flu? Is it a different disease? And so I, I'm very bullish about what the future holds and how well positioned we are to capitalize on whichever the way the world, the world plays out. I've always felt that your themes matter. You've identified a couple of pillars, three pillars that you think are instrumental to long-term growth, which is what you and I care about. I want to give you a chance to talk about those because too often we focus on the actual quarter and not about what's going to drive the company for the next five, 10 years. Yeah, after a record year, we were starting out with initial guidance of 7% growth. So why that, why that level of confidence for another year of strong growth? It's because of the successful growth strategy that we have, right, which is investments in innovation. We increased our investments last year by 20% to $1.2 billion, so the largest R&D budget in our industry. You know, at the same point in time, we are well-positioned in the high-growth regions of the world and continue to build our infrastructure to support our customers there. And our value proposition for our customers, where we help them address society's biggest needs, those relationships have never been stronger. And we've really invested to expand our capabilities and capacity so that we'll have an incredibly strong growth outlook, not just in 21, but for many years to come. All right, well, Mark, one last question. I know that there's been, to some degree, I think you and I agree, uh, unfortunate politicization, just the politicizing of this whole issue of COVID. Um, do you think that we're over that and that going forward, what we're really going to be trying to do is make it so that science triumphs? Because you're a scientist, and I feel science sometimes and reason have gotten short shrift in the last decade in this country. Yeah, so I think that this era will really usher in yet another boom from a science perspective because of the amazing discoveries that have happened and the huge societal needs, not just about a pandemic, but around clean energy and, and all of the things that will ensure that the world has a brighter future. And science is going to play a critical role in that. And, you know, when I think about you know, there's no politics around that. There's only one enemy right now, and that's the virus, right? And we're going to fight that virus and play our role in helping it. And we look forward to a post-pandemic world and supporting the amazing things that science will bring to uh, society. You're no Pollyanna, but I feel a heck of a lot better, particularly at my, after having just been in the hospital and being 65. I wanted to hear that we're winning. I know that it's not going to be easy, but I know that Mark Casper's making it easier. That's Mark Casper, Chairman, President, and CEO of Thermo Fisher Scientific Team. A remarkable job, Mark, and thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. And thanks again for having me. Absolutely. Man, I'm going to be back here for the break. Coming up on the heels of leadership changes and new initiatives, investors are asking, how is one sporting goods company keeping their head in the game for shareholders and customers alike? 
when the pandemic rolled in a year ago, it crushed all things retail. The whole industry had to pivot to deal with the lockdown. But some of them pivoted a lot better than others. Take Dick's Sporting Goods. That's a terrific long-time performer. I remember the day it came public, I liked it. When the shutdown orders hit, Dick's was able to roll out curbside pickup at many of its stores within 48 hours. They've already spent years investing in their omnichannel infrastructure, the best in show, which meant that they were well-prepared for COVID. And now the longtime CEO of Dick's, Ed Stack, one of my personal favorites, is passing the baton to a new favorite, his chosen successor, who is Lauren Hobart. She's formerly the company's president, now president and CEO, with Stack staying on as executive chairman and chief merchant officer. Hey, look, this is a big, big moment because Stack has been running the show since the 80s when Dick's had just two locations. Now it's got more than 700 stores and the stock is up nearly 2,200 percent since its IPO in 2002. That's worth celebrating, as is this change at the top. So let's take a closer look with Ed Stack, chairman, executive chairman, I'm sorry, and chief merchant officer, and Lauren Hobart, the president and CEO, to get a better sense of how Dick Sporting Goods pulled all of this off and what's next after the leadership change. Mr. Stack, Ms. Hobart, welcome to Mayor Money. Thanks, Jim. Nice to be here. Thank you. All right, Ed, let's go there, because I think a lot of people know that I greatly admire what you've done. You've really outperformed everybody. Many of the companies in your business have been wiped out. So the first thing people are saying to me is, is Ed done? Will we see Ed again? Or is he going to continue to play some sort of meaningful role? Well, Jim, I'm still going to be involved in the company. It's, uh, you know, this company has been a big part of my life. I love it. And uh, I'm going to continue in the executive chairman role and, uh, will continue to be in the, uh, the chief merchant role. And product is my first love. I mean, I, I love the, the shoes, the equipment, the apparel, all of this. So I'm still gonna be, uh, I'm still gonna be involved in, uh, in helping Lauren along the way. And uh, I, uh, I, I'm happy to still be here. I, I love this place. Oh, I'm so glad to say that. I know that as someone who had uh, a daughter in sports, we knew to look to Dick's for the local stuff. And we also knew that you cared about the quality, which meant a great deal. Now, uh, Lauren, you are doing some things technologically that I think are going to keep you ahead of everybody else. Can you talk about some of the uh, technology that you've done? You've also had a strong e-commerce always, but I I see curbside pickup. I think it's here to stay. The other guys don't have it. You do. Talk about innovation. Yeah. Well, we've been investing in technology for many, many years now. And about four years ago, we took our whole e-commerce platform in-house, which really got us ready for the moment when, you know, in mid-March this year, the store started to close. And our technology team was able to spin up this curbside pickup in literally two days, as you said, 48 hours. It was just an unbelievable feat. And now the stores have become the hub of this omni-channel ecosystem in every way. I mean, we are shipping 70% of our e-commerce business through our stores, either through the front door with uh, buy online, pick up in store or curbside or out the back door with ship from store. Uh, so it's really just catapulted our digital business, but in, in tandem with the stores, which has just been a great, great partnership. Well, let me take it a little step further, Lauren. So people might be saying, well, then what's the what do we need 732 stores for? Do we need even bigger stores? A lot of people are shrinking away from brick and mortar. Obviously, you think that there's a pretty good synergy between what you're doing right now in your stores and your incredible sales. Yeah, we're, we are not shrinking away from our brick and mortar stores at all. In fact, you're going to see us leaning into stores and leaning into experiences in the stores Um, We're building two what we call ecosystems of the future this year, which is an experiential based uh, store. And we really believe in the power of Omnichannel that people want to have product with, you know, within a few miles of their home that they can pick up within minutes or um, deliver very quickly the next day. So 
we are we are all in, and our stores have been an incredible, incredible asset for us for decades. But this year uh, proved to the power of stores in in every way through, through the pandemic. And improve your your execution makes it that way, Ed. I've known you for so long. I've always felt that Dix was a family business, which is why I was superior to a lot of the other places that have been football, private equity, whatever. How did you survive and thrive when the competitors went under? Well, Jim, it's a, I think that the thing that we always tried to do was innovate. Um, we've never been afraid to try new things. Some of them work, some of them don't. Uh, one that's worked really well is curbside pickup that, uh, that Lauren really championed and she just talked about. Um, a couple of other things we've always been able to do is we've been, always been able to attract great talent, great people who have the same values as, uh, as our company does. We've really focused on partnerships with our vendors, and, and we look at them as really important to be a win-win. We look at our, our vendor partners, whether it's Nike or, or Callaway or the other brands that we do business with, and what's important to them and what's important to us, and how can we come to market together? So it's really been that... Uh, that partnership with the brands. And then first and foremost, we've always put the athletes that we serve and the teammates that we work with as the center of everything we do. And it's just been a great formula. And uh, we've been fortunate to survive and, and thrive when uh, some others some others haven't. Well, it's how we know to go to Dick's when we need our sporting goods, even some of my age. One of the things, Lauren, I'm so excited about you uh, doing you're going to continue with Ed's uh, very purpose-driven company. I believe the business is the force, greatest force of social change. Uh, Ed has done many things on many issues, but I think primary is to try to equalize a system that it's made it so that minorities have been disenfranchised. And one of the greatest ways to be able to get out of difficult areas, which is through sports. I understand also, and I should tell you, I was not aware of, uh, of what I regard as being the sexist discrimination, and how you're not going to let that happen in addition to helping out minorities. In a time left, why don't you talk about some of the foundation, female-focused initiative I think is so important for half our viewers out there. Yeah, we, we have, with our Dix Foundation, created the Sports Matter program, and we've helped a million kids play sports. And last week, what you may have heard is uh, we, we kicked off National Girls and Women in Sports Day, which is happening this week. And we donated 100,000 sports bras to kids. We have multiple um, millions of kids that are, or hundreds of thousands of kids, excuse me, who are playing sports for the U.S. Soccer Foundation, girls. USA, USA Softball is a partner of ours. Um, but one of the things that I think has been the, mo the most exciting is that Ed and I, for many years now, have been working with our vendor partners, our brand partners, to really dial up access for girls' sports. There, there's a huge gap in the marketplace in terms of product that's really meant for a girl's um, form, a, a foot form of, and, and her body. And so last year, we were able to work with Under Armour, and we created the UA Hover Shoe, which is the first major shoe that was really made, designed for a girl's foot um, a female, we call it a female last, and we hope that's the start of, of something good. Just another quick thing, Jim, we have created a panel that we call the Girls Power Panel of girls 13 to 17 years old to help us fight that fight for, uh, for products that work for them and, and for initiatives that are pro-female. Pro well, I love what you're doing. These are reasons why I believe in business and why I believe in dicks. I believe in change, and change is positive, and a lot of times it's done by our biz great business leaders. I want to thank Ed Stack, Executive Chairman of Dick's Sporting Goods, and Lauren Hobart, star, Dick's Sporting Goods President and CEO. It's so great to talk to both of you. I hope I see you many more times on Mad Money. Really, really good to talk. Great. Thanks, Jim. See you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mad Money's back yet.
Coming up, it's Otis. He loves us. The elevator business may have its ups and downs, but can Otis Worldwide take investors to new heights? Kramer's got their top operator when Mad Money returns. Forget all these short squeeze stocks. Just one minute, please. This is the height of earnings season. And if you're only watching GameStop, I think you're missing on some incredible stories. Look at Otis Worldwide. That's the pure play elevator company that was spun off by United Technologies last spring. This morning, Otis delivered a seven cent earnings beat off of a 59 cent basis, higher than expected sales, while management gave a very strong forecast for 2021. Again, overlook. Come on. What happens? The stock barely budges. Even though the numbers were far better than anything I was looking for, certainly the analysts were. I mean, it, it, the Wall Street's still pretty worried about the future of non residential construction. But keep in mind, though, Otis gets the bulk of his business from servicing existing elevators, not selling new ones. And they've got a good new product plan. So could this be the buying opportunity we've been looking for? Well, it's been consistently since ever we met Judy Marks. She's the president and CEO of Otis Worldwide. And just a delight to learn more about the quarter and what the what this means for the broader economy. Ms. Marks, welcome back to May of Money. Thanks, Jim. It's great to see you again. Thanks for having me back. Well, Judy, i got to tell you, there's so many ways to approach this. But the thing I'm most proud of what you're doing is, you know, we were speaking to Greg Hayes last week. From, uh, from Raytheon Technologies, he was talking about the need to break up. And how right it was, I am struck by the fact that after eight years of no margin improvement, and you as a business person know that margin improvement means you're taking share, you're doing better. After eight years, you actually had a ra- remarkable increase in margins. And I think in many ways that could be a back way to tell the story of how well you're doing. Yeah, Jim, it was a great, strong quarter for us. Margin expansion of 50 basis points in the quarter, 70 basis points for the year, every quarter us putting margin expansion on the board. And, you know, we couldn't have done this without our 69,000 colleagues, who I'm just so proud of providing essential services. You know, top line for the fourth quarter was the first time we had uh, organic growth this year. Uh, It was good to see that at 1.3%. We put about $3.5 billion of revenue on the board. And our adjusted operating profit was up 36 million, 8% at actual currency. It drove EPS to 66 cents. Uh, again, uh, just a really nice growth story. It's what we said we were going to do at, at Investor Day. And it really led us to a strong full year. Our first year of independence, albeit we had COVID, but boy, did this team respond. So top line, even though our organic sales were down 2.1% for the year, we're able to expand margins, 70 basis points. We're able to grow adjusted operating profit, $47 million at constant currency, and put $2.52 up for the full year for EPS, 28 cents ahead of last year. And what was really fantastic in this this resilient business model was our working capital and our cash generation. For the year, $1.3 billion of free cash flow, which 143% cash flow to net income. And that led us really do disciplined capital allocation, which is what we've committed to our shareholders. We're able in the last three quarters to drive dividends to the tune of about $260 million. We did some very focused bolt-on M&A, and we were able to delever. We paid back $350 million of debt last year, and already in January, we paid down our remaining $150 million. So now we're getting ready for share buybacks. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, there's not a lot of industrials that we have that are able to do share buybacks. And, you know, I do want to go back to one thing you said about Investor's Day. Yes, you did do 
Uh, good job on Investor Day. But what you really shocked me on is, is that you were looking for flat China. Uh, the China numbers are staggering. And I think people have to recognize that as much as North America may not be necessarily what you like, China had to be well in excess of what you were looking for. Yeah, we were expecting a flattish market in China. The new equipment was up mid-single digits. Uh, and we, we kept our own and, and actually did slightly better than that. Uh, China is going to be up again this year. It's more than 50% of the global segment market. And, and even as proud as I am of our new equipment business in China, which is strong, our service business grew there. And we grew our service portfolio there 8% for the year. That's where the growth is going to continue. And we put a strategies in place. It was a foundational investments we made since we spun. We've added 850 agents and distributors to help expand our sales coverage. We've pursued key accounts that, that are, are stickier for us. They give us that ability to retain that service business service is our core and anything we can do to drive our portfolio larger, which globally finished up 2% last year to 2.1 million units. Our next closest competitors at 1.6 million units. Density and scale matter in this business, Jim. Extraordinary. One last thing that I think people will be uh, really uh, kind of shocked here. You uh, raised some issues in the conference call about elevator safety. You talked about how outdoor dining is in many ways more dangerous than a short ride. Now, I know that that center cities in, in America are challenged for more skyscrapers. But if that word got out, do you think that people recognize that they are that the uh, skyscraper elevator is really not the issue? It is not the issue. We were happy to sponsor a science and data-based uh, analysis by uh, an incredible expert at Purdue University uh, in airflow. And what we've seen, and what most people don't know, Jim, is the elevator's not a closed box by design, and more importantly, by code. There's an amazing amount of air ventilation in every elevator in the world. Think about it, the, the worst, you don't wanna get trapped in an elevator, but in that emergency situation, there has to be airflow. So we've designed elevators that way for years. And as long as people follow other guidance, they can bring the risks down. We still want people to wear masks just like everywhere else. Wear them in your elevators. Right. And, and truly, the analysis and the data and the science show that you are, are less, uh, less potential for risk than uh, outdoor dining, much closer to grocery shopping. Well, there you go. Look, I want to thank you, Judy Marks, delivering an unbelievable quarter on so many different fronts against the doubters, the people worry about supply chain, steel costs, whatever. You've got it all under control. And when you talk about starting to be able to think about buybacks, well, I don't have a lot of companies that are doing that. Judy Marks, CEO of Otis, what a great quarter. Great to see you again. Thank you for coming on Mad Money. Jim, thanks. It's great to see you back as well this week. Thank you. We'll be back in a moment. Coming up. It is time. Kramer takes your calls. Rapid fire. The lightning round is next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. That's where I take the calls. Rapid fire. One, two, you say the name of the stock. I say, bye, 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 buy or sell, 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 sell. Just be clear. I do know the calls. The stock question ahead of time. Even when I'm in Brooklyn, my staff bears with me. Play the sound. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Steve? Daddy? It's the lightning round. Because we're starting with Jeremy in Georgia. Jeremy. Booyah, Jim. Jeremy calling from Georgia. Booyah, yeah. Jeremy. <laughs> hey, I'm calling about a stock that I think has caught a little bit of hype from this Wall Street bets thing, but I think it's a legitimate company. Um, it's had a little bit of a run. 
They've sold some patents. Um, I'm talking about BlackBerry, Jim. What do you think about this? Should I take my profits you know and leave, what, or George, should I, I drag it out? Our viewers are so smart. You, you, you nailed it. There was a little bit of hype. There's too much hype because I don't believe the, the automobile deal with Amazon Web Services is going to be a real game changer. That said, it is inexpensive stock, but that's not enough to be able to make me want to pull the trigger. I, trigger, I say, now I'm going to Stanley in North Carolina. Stanley. Jimmy Chill, what's happening? The chill man is blocking a lot of people who think I don't care. You know what? I'm, I, I'm a wild and crazy guy, but I do care. What's going on? Oh, man. I just want to thank you for all you do for the investment, investment community. Thank you. Um, thank my, you my question thank is about fuel sale. Um, I know you were a little bit upset the other day when J.P. Morgan downgraded plug and fuel sale. And I just want to get your advice on my uh, position on fuel sale right now. Should I hold? Well, a fuel cell is not as good as plug. Why? Because Andy Marsh, who came out of the cell phone business, has continually raised a lot of money. And you're now buying it below his last capital raise, $31 billion company. Um, but what matters is they have enough money to be able to get it to where hydrogen fuel is a legitimate, I'm talking about green hydrogen, can be liter- uh, a legitimate fuel, and nobody else really does. I'm going to Abigail in Wisconsin. Abigail! Hey, Jim. A big whisker booyah to you. Oh, First thank you. Monster. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, my husband, my two-year-old son, and I watch you every night for Sesame Street. Thanks for all you do. Uh, this well, company all I care about is trying to make it so people understand. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Um, this company has been under the radar, even though they just went public. Uh, Kathy Woods of ARK Invest has been adding this consistently to her ETF, looking at this for long-term growth potential in 2021 and beyond. Taking into consideration low interest rates, the housing, the housing market, uh, the company's great management team, their future vision on expanding services offered and adding additional markets. I'd love if you could do an exclusive on them in the future. Jim, what do you think about Open Door Technologies? Ticker symbol O. I'm impre- uh, OPN, I'm impressed about the bloodlines. I totally agree with you about where we are in terms of interest rate cycle. I wish Zillow were down more. Zillow's up seven. They're doing a good job. But I think you've got a good one. And I am not going against it. I am going with you. I need to go to Dave out in California. Dave. Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, Jim, with all this talk about rebuilding the grid and everything, you've, you've had a guest on frequently that uh, I've been following for a long time. I can't think of a better play uh, for this decade than American Superconductor. What do you think? Well, you know, look, it's a spec, and I have room for specs. I do like, just so we know, Skyworks is terrific, and I think Marvell is great. Those are more 5G plays. American Semiconductor is going to work if this continued movement towards speculation stays strong. And that's really what you're betting on, and that's what you got to remember. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round! Coming up. GameStop now shares through the roof. Tonight, backlash growing against Robinhood. I don't think uh, anyone could have anticipated that uh, that this would happen. There's just so many moving pieces here. We're trying to keep an eye on all of them. Kramer gives his take on the GameStop saga. Next. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. What's better than Mad Money? How about more Mad Money? Follow Mad Money on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to go one-on-one with Kramer. Reaction. What other questions do we have? Ah, I always tell people you've got to start with an index fund. 
because I need you to be diversified. Get more with guests. How do you stay sharp? And go behind the scenes with the most interactive show on television. If you can't explain in three bullets why you're buying a certain stock, don't buy it. Follow Mad Money today. talk about the wild action in the stock of GameStop, which was down 100 points today, or 30%. By now, you've heard all sorts of commentators come on our air and tut-tut about how this stock has come totally unglued from the fundamentals, as if that's never happened before. And won't someone think of the poor hedge funds who got caught on the wrong side of the trade? Oh, I'm really worried. But I'm not here to run interference for professional money managers. They can protect themselves. And I gave up on trying to make the markets less crazy decades ago. So right now, I want to focus on the crux of the issue. Let's say you participated in, in Mr. GameStop's wild ride. What the heck do you do now? Even with the stock pulling back hard today, I think it's important to know when to take yes for an answer. The Wall Street Bets crew had a simple thesis here. And, of course, there's other people who didn't share. But in general, the gist was they saw that short sellers had sold more shares in GameStop than actually existed. And they figured that the stock would soar higher if enough people bought it to trigger a short squeeze. Sure enough, they were just right. That was beautiful. The trade worked. If you bought GameStop a week ago, you've got an enormous gain right now, at least on paper. But if you actually want to keep those winnings, you need to declare victory. And you need to ring the register, which is a sound that a lot of people don't know. That's what it sounds like. And you got to do it on least part of your position. Don't worry, you're, you're selling a low won't send it spiraling down. It won't. You're just laughing your way to the back. And that's rule number one. The gains don't count until you've sold some. Now, I don't know. I, I, don't, I know many of you don't even want to hear that. There's this idea that GameStop has become a moral crusade, the scrappy Redditors against the fat cat short sellers. So anyone who sells is betraying the cause. The thing is, the scrappy Redditors are, well, they're already beating the fat cat short sellers. What's the point? So what worries me here is that a bunch of people have bought GameStop in the past week, and they're now being told to hold the line. What is this, Braveheart? But if you hold the line, you'll end up holding the bag when everyone else does ring the register. It's bullish. They're going to ring the register because I can't dream up a scenario where this thing ends well. Best case. Look, a month ago, this was $17 stock. Then Ryan Cohen, the co-founder and former CEO of Chewy, joined the board of directors a few weeks ago. After building up a 13% stake at pretty good prices last year, Chewy's an incredibly successful online pet food play. So maybe Cohen can turn things around for GameStop, especially if the company sells a bunch of stock up here to raise some much-needed capital. And it does need the capital. But GameStop is still in long-term secular decline. It's tough to sell physical video games when people increasingly just download them off the Internet. That's a fact. The company's getting a boost right now because the new PlayStation Xboxes just came out. And just like it did when the last versions came out in 2013, hard to get. When the last generation of consoles launched, GameStop peaked in the 50s. Although their business was much stronger back then, so was their balance sheet. Could GameStop do something dramatic to just say, let's, I don't know, how about a $50? How about $70? Well, it's possible. They sell stock here. They can use it to get into a better line of business. Hey, maybe a game developer, maybe an esports play, maybe a hardware maker. 
Or they could try to become a better retailer, fix up the balance sheet, get out of bad leases, and maybe, I don't know, turn the stores into fulfillment centers and bet big on e-commerce. Or, hey, eSports has gotten huge. Maybe they could uh, turn those stores into arcades, like gaming palaces. They could try to find a new niche selling used electronics. Right now, that's mostly handled by auction sites like eBay. I am sure that Ryan has thought about these things, but at best, these plans merely take GameStop back to 50 or 60. I can't get further. I can't get to 225. I just can't. There's a reason the stock's seen so much insider selling. I wonder if Ryan Cohen would be a seller up here myself. He hadn't just joined the board. Of course, he's not allowed to. So I'm begging you, please don't be greedy. The short squeeze trade is over. And without another short squeeze, which maybe someone's going to try to manufacture, but the short squeeze position's down, it's hard to justify paying more than $60 for GameStop, even if you're feeling incredibly bullish. And believe me, $60 is more than any of the other veteran traders I know believe is possible, because that's where the stock was before the digital downloads wiped out their core business. Last summer, it was at four. Look, GameStop's become a very dramatic story, very emotional. But it won't be a profitable one until you bring the red shoe. I like to say there's always a bull market summer, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Crayer, and I will see you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.